0: Getting Better Healthcare is brought to you in part by Leo Pharma. Every American is acutely aware of the issues surrounding our healthcare
1: system. We know miracles can happen, but we find ourselves bombarded by conflicting information and are uncertain of what and whom we can trust. We have some of the best medical care in the world for those who can afford it. Incredible new drugs that change people's lives, but can be very costly. Many of the best doctors the world has ever seen, but not all are perfect. That's why Dr. Steve Feldman created the show, Getting Better Healthcare, to help walk us through the labyrinth, helping us understand how to take better care of ourselves and to better understand the challenges, issues, controversies, and complexities of our healthcare system as it exists and as it could be. For better healthcare and a better healthcare system, listen to the doctor. Now, here's Steve.
0: Welcome to Getting Better Healthcare on WebTalkRadio.net. I'm your host, Dr. Steve Feldman. Founder of the doctorscore.com physician rating website. On our show last week, we began a discussion of the economics of our healthcare system. Last week, we covered moral hazard and, and the basic economic issues. Today, we're going to discuss solutions to our healthcare problems that are based on our understanding of healthcare economics. Our guest again today is Dr. Robert Waples. He's professor and chair of economics at the Wake Forest University. He's director of eh EH.net, which is a health history services website. He's editor of the Encyclopedia of Economic and Business History. And uh, we learned of him because he's the teacher of the teaching company course, Modern Economic Issues. Dr. Waples? I want to shift gears. So we understand part of the problem with the high cost of insurance and medical uh, of medical care in the United States is the moral hazard, the uh-huh. effects of of insurance on demand, and given the inelasticity of supply, the, uh-huh. the, 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 the high cost. Uh-huh. And presumably, and then there's the problem of the uninsured because uh-huh. the insured, the insurance is paying so that people can afford the high cost. The uninsured then can't afford the high-cost health care because the prices have gotten jacked up. That's right,
2: and that leads more and more people to then become uninsured. So now we've got about one in six people in the country uninsured. And if you look at the non-elderly, because almost all the elderly get covered by Medicare, you have about one in five uh, being uninsured. And a lot of them would like to be insured, but the fact that for all these reasons we're talking about, the insurance is getting more and more expensive. More and more of them are making a rational decision.
0: And not becoming insured. So, what are the solutions that people are suggesting, and how do they match up with what economic theory tells us should be happening?
2: So, let's first look at the solution that was recently passed, and you know that's the the Healthcare Act that was just passed in early two thousand nine. It was mainly designed to deal with the uninsured problem, and it dealt with the uninsured problem first by expanding uh, Medicaid a little bit so that you can now be up to 133% of the poverty line and be covered by it. But it also primarily was dealing with uh, uninsured people who aren't getting in uh, by putting penalties on employers who don't offer insurance to their employees and also penalties on individuals who don't go out and get insurance themselves. Uh, this could be people who uh, you know, aren't employed or. Uh, don't have an employer who's offering it. Uh, Those penalties uh, also come with some subsidies. and So there's some subsidies uh, that go all the way up to something like four times the poverty level to push people to go out and get insurance. Now, uh, those subsidies cost money to the government, to us taxpayers, and they're paid for by an increase in tax of almost 1% uh, of payroll from uh, your Medicare tax. So what that is designed to do is deal with the uninsurance problem. And in a best-case scenario, as the Congressional Budget Office has calculated, those extra taxes are going to be about exactly the same amount as the extra expenditure. But in a worst-case scenario, if that ends up leading to more and more employers realizing that they can do better for their employees by not offering insurance, paying the penalty for that, and then getting their employees to get that government subsidy in place, uh, that could lead to some pretty substantial increases in the total amount that the taxpayers are going to be paying.
0: You know, insurance. aside from this, this shift of the mm-hmm. payment from um, companies to government, mm-hmm. uh, which seems like it doesn't change the overall cost of society, it's mm-hmm. it seems like if the problem was created by the effect yep. of insurance on yep. supply and demand curves, yep. that insuring more people is only going to exacerbate yes. the overall problem.
2: Yes. Uh, so I agree with that point entirely. This will only increase the demand somewhat more and exacerbate the problem we've talked about. So what other? this does nothing to stop the runaway train of increased health care expenditure that's projected out into the future. So what kind of reforms could get at that? Um, two major reforms I would... I guess three major reforms that I, I would point to that economists have discussed. First is you could change the tax treatment of health insurance. Um, why do we get health insurance through our employers? Because if the employer pays for a health insurance uh, for us, we don't have to pay tax on that. They pay us in dollars. we got to pay taxes on those dollars. But if they pay us in health care, we don't have to pay taxes on that health care. So one thing you could do is get rid of that that deductibility. Okay? That would then mean that more and more people would say to their employers, Hey, you know, they're both getting taxed, why don't you just give me the cash instead of the health insurance thing? And then what they'd do is they would probably that's would probably in the long run change our health insurance around so that it was more like auto insurance. Think about auto insurance rarely do you file a claim. You file a claim when your car gets totaled. With health insurance, your insurance picks up going to see the doctor and all sorts of you know, medicines and all that. And it'd be like your auto insurance picking up every oil change that you have, every set of new tires that you get, maybe even going to the car wash, that kind of thing. Well, you'd do a lot more things, right, and the bills would be a lot higher if you're in auto insurance, is picking up all those kinds of things. Okay. So what getting rid of the tax uh, deductibility of the health insurance packages would probably do would change health insurance so that it would primarily pick up catastrophic things. When your bills are in you know thousands or tens of thousands of dollars, when you get a heart attack, when you get cancer, you know, big expensive things like that and then you would be when you're dealing with the smaller day-to-day things of going you know when you have the sniffles or when you've got high blood pressure or, you know those kinds of things and you go see your doctor um, and then they think about ordering extra tests all of those things would then be out of your pocket and you'd pay attention to the bottom line a lot more now there's somewhat of a fear that that might lead people not to go to the doctor and their health outcomes would would become less and we'd have to have people weighing that we have to make sure that that didn't get out, you know, get out of control. Uh, but, but clearly, the system we have right now, where essentially your insurance is paying for your oil change, uh, has led us to kind of overdo things. So that's you know, reform number one.
0: It, it seems the tax Yeah, it, it seems like uh, we don't worry about people not getting their oil changes because they're not insured.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: All right.
2: So, second big thing that you could do is to open up competition. Our insurance companies uh, are are really have their hands tied in competing. There are state level mandates that say insurance must cover all of these things, and in some states the lists are you know silly. They include things that uh, very few people would want their insurance to cover. Okay, what um, if they got rid of those laws? There would be you know more of a it were a smorgasbord of insurance packages that you could buy. And if you wanted one that covered everything, you would buy it and pay more for it. But if you wanted one that would cover just, you know, big-ticket things, expensive things, and then you could save money, uh, you know, because now I'm not covering the sniffles. I'm only covering heart attacks. Um, you know, insurers would be able to do that. But we also don't let our insurers compete across state lines much at all. Um, so if we could open up the competition among insurers, so they didn't have these mandates and they could offer us actual choice, and we had the you know, national competition among insurers, we could start getting things that are crafted more to the individual and their circumstances and their budget. Uh, the other thing that uh, opening up competition is something that I already mentioned. You know We do have these rules that you know, don't, don't allow certain people to do things in the healthcare sector because you need a lot of licensing and credentials. And, you know, if we could open up that more, um, you know, we'd have some of those. We have some clinics. We have some lower-cost medical facilities you can go to at your Walmart, those kind of places. Uh, You know, but if we could open up competition like that uh, more, uh, it would definitely especially benefit lower-income people. And then the third big thing that most economists point out is, you know, the biggest part of the runaway freight train is the government spending. It has increased. Inexorably, over time, is a fraction of the total health care expenditure. It's now up to 44%, and the big things, of course, are Medicare and Medicaid. And With the recent recession, uh, Medicare and Medicaid expenditures have jumped noticeably, while the private insurance, uh, the cost of that, has only inched up. Uh, And so I guess you see more and more people uh, retiring early and looking for their Medicare instead of through their employer or losing their jobs and, you know, falling into poverty and getting their insurance that way. But we need to do something that is going to cap that expenditure uh, in the long run. Because otherwise, it's just going to eat up all of our governmental spending. It's going to crowd out other legitimate things the government spend on. And it's going to require our taxes to get higher and higher and higher. And that's going to require some really hard choices. Because currently, you know, essentially what we said is that there's some new legitimate, you know, uh, useful medical treatment that's out there, we will cover it. But continuing to do that in, on into the next decades is going to cause medical expenditures to just eat up the rest of the economy. And so uh, other countries have basically said, no, we're not going to be able to cover every new treatment that comes along. Uh, we're going to have to look real carefully at things in terms of the cost and benefits and only cover the things that you know, it's pretty clear that the, the overall benefits Outweigh the cost, and those are hard choices for voters and politicians to
0: make. I had the sense that the um, current government effort, which could put a lot more people under coverage by the government, mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. sort of a first step to addressing the issue. Because once everybody's covered by the government, then the government can turn around and say, "Okay, we're we're going to quit this fee for service stuff, and we're just going to we're only going to pay this much, and that's going to control our costs."
2: Yeah, well, you know, that does put them in a position to do that, but. You know, whenever a politician makes noise, a candidate makes noise about, hey, how here's how we're going to do that, the uh, opposition just has this big incentive to say, they're going to take away your Medicare. Yep. Medicare, as you know it, is going to, you know, it's pretty easy to make scare stories like that. Yep. Uh, and so that's going to be very hard for us to do that.
0: Okay. So, I think, yeah. I think the other possibility, uh, uh, tell me what would happen if the government said, you know, we're going to... Uh, reform medicare and medicaid we'll give each person who's covered five hundred dollars a year yeah. we're just gonna yeah. give you five hundred dollars a year and we'll cover catastrophic injuries yeah. and you pay the stuff out of pocket it seems like immediately there would be some consumerism in, oh yeah in market yeah. forces and, and that
2: is probably the most reasonable way to overhaul both medicare and Medicaid. And so it wouldn't have to be a across-the-board amount that's the same for everybody. It could be graduated based on your age, you know, or if you had some, you know, you know your health just wasn't as good, um, you know, you would have a larger voucher, that's what they would call it, a voucher to go and then shop around for the different insurance companies that you'd like. Um, but um, that would then, uh, you know, allow people to shop around, and, and it would also sort of get people having to pay attention to their bottom line because it wouldn't be the open-ended commitment that it was before. Now, in the, uh, the recent legislation, the Affordable Care Act has sort of a little backdoor way of stopping the runaway freight train of spending more and more, and it's that, that famous Cadillac tax. Um, so if people are spending more than $10,200, per individual, or $27,500 per family, uh, if, if you have a health insurance plan that's spending that is costing that much, it is now going to be subject to this sort of special Cadillac tax, as they call it, uh, it will be 40% tax lapped right on top of that. So it's rare that people are going to want to go above that. But at the rate that we're projecting out in the future, there's going to be plenty of plans that will be above that uh, you know, if the current trend continues. And so this will be a more and more binding constraint in you know, the years, the decades to come. And in some ways, uh, now they've, they've got this thing, so it will be indexed yearly to go up above those numbers. But tied to the consumer price index, mm-hmm. it rises a lot slower than the health care spending.
0: And I've nope. learned from you that the consumer price index is really going up faster than inflation. Uh,
2: that, that is true. Got a little bit of a bias there.
0: Um, tell me, uh, uh, are there any h- other health care cost myths our listeners should know about?
2: Said, oh, n- say that question again.
0: A- any other myths about our health care cost problems that our listeners should know about?
2: Um, I, I think I covered the main myth.
0: All right. Very good. Any final thoughts for our listeners today?
2: Um, the final thought is this. This is a really serious issue. It is a matter of life and death, and it's also incredibly expensive. If we don't take care of it, it's going to cause tax rates in our economy to explode. And when your tax rates get higher and higher, people have less and less incentive to go out and work and get, invest- you know, get educated and invest and do things that allow an economy to grow. So if we don't take care of this, this could really hamstring our economy into the future. So we need to be serious about it. And when politicians have the guts to make the hard proposals to deal with this problem, we can't cave in to those, you know, their, their opponents who say that they're evil and that they're going to take away your Medicare, okay? We've got to listen to them as, you know, reasoned adults here, okay? We've got to be informed voters and consumers.
0: Dr. Waples, thank you so much for being on the program. Great. Thanks so much for having me on. Our discussion of health care with Dr. Waples is grounded in basic economic theory, and I think it's helpful for understanding the complexities of our health care system and what it's going to take to make reasonable improvements to it, In terms of, especially in terms of reducing the cost of the care. Personal responsibility may be a critical issue if we're going to have success at bringing those costs down. If you want um, a more extensive, detailed description of basic economic thought, I would encourage you to um, purchase Dr. Waple's course on modern economic issues from The Teaching Company. I found it to be fabulous. Uh, there'll be a link to um, the Modern Economics Issues course on the Getting Better Healthcare website, or you can get to it directly um, at The Teaching Company by going to thegreatcourses.com. Well, that's our show for today. Our theme music is by the incomparable Michael Zioli. Our show has been brought to you in part by Leo Pharma. Until next time, I wish you the very best of health.
1: Thanks for listening to the show today. Remember to go to DrScore.com to get and give feedback about your doctor and to read others' recommendations about doctors in your area. It's a way to choose your path to healthcare empowerment. That's D-R-S-C-O-R-E.com, DrScore.com. And we'll see you next week right here on Getting Better Health Care.